0: So you're gonna be a starving artist.
1: Have you considered something more you know, practical? How will you make money?
0: Why not get an MBA instead?
1: We've all heard it before. Your family's well meaning pleased with you to ditch your art and find something practical to pursue in your career. Whatever that means. During Practical Advice for Impractical Pursuits, students in MSU's Arts, Cultural Management and Museum Studies program will explore stories from industry professionals across arts and culture, arming you with all the knowledge you need to not just make it, but thrive. Hi, I'm Kara Davison, a senior in the Arts and Cultural Management program. Today I'll be talking about public relations in Broadway with Bob Hoffman, Public Relations Manager at Wharton Center. Bob, thank you for joining me. going to start right off the bat with our first question. How do you think videos have changed public relations and social media?
0: Absolutely has revolutionized it. When I started 20 years ago, um, we had videos. They were on DVD, which we had to then take and drop off to the TV stations if we wanted to give them any form of video to run with the story. We didn't have um, a website that had Video capabilities with it. So the whole thing has just changed immensely. Um, We didn't have the marketing opportunities back then that we have now. And I remember, you know, asking the agents for the Broadway shows to send over video. They would send it in either VHS or an M3 format, or I'm sorry, a beta format. I would get it in the mail a couple days later, some days they would overnight it. And then I'd have to take it to the TV stations, (laughs) Um, which, you know, at the time, I mean, that was the way you did it. So it was like, okay, well, that's, that's how you did it. Um, And it was hard. You know, you think about it, it takes a lot of time to get up out of your office, to go to the TV stations that are in different parts of the city, drop them off, make sure that they get them. Um, make sure that they're going to use them. And that's the other thing is that the cost of it was, was, you know, enormous. When you think about creating a beta tape or even a DVD um, and then sending it out, if you're in New York and you're an agent sending it out all over the country, um, they would send like maybe one or two tapes. If you needed more, you had to pay for more and the, the house like Wharton center would have to pay for that. So Yeah, it's much different. Now you have the ability to download video, and uh, it's just so much more convenient for reporters.
1: Absolutely. I can't even imagine having to wait for the physical video, take it to the news stations, make sure that they can use it, and then having to get more if you need it. How do you pick which news house gets the recording? I can't even imagine.
0: That was always difficult, too. That was always difficult because if you had one and, you know, you don't want to necessarily pay for more or you can't copy it, then you'd have to pick which one was going to get it with the hope that they would use it. And oftentimes you drop it off and they wouldn't use it.
1: Only having one copy of the video for marketing and then to drop it off to a news station and have them not even use it would be so frustrating. I cannot even imagine. Next question. Um, writing is a huge part of PR, as videos also are. How do you feel your experience in the newsroom has given you an edge on creating a fantastic press release?
0: Absolutely. So critical. You know, as a reporter, you would get lots of press releases. You'd be inundated with them during the day. And I was able to pick out the ones that really stood out for me. And the ones that stood out for me I modeled the Wharton Center release after, and that was the vital information was at the top. Mm -hmm. The date, time, the location, the cost, anything was at the very top of the release, and then the rest, the body, came later. So, you know, you'd get releases that would start out almost like a letter, and they'd be like three pages long as a reporter, you don't have time to do that. You don't have time to go through and look for the information. You want the information right away and you can decide whether or not it's something that, you know, you need to act on immediately and file, or if it's something that you can, you file. Um, For instance, you know, you'd get a release about something, if it's a Monday, you'd get a release about something that's happening on a Saturday, but you'd have to go through the release to find out that it is happening on Saturday, where a great press release would have all that information at the top. You could file it in the folder. If it is happening on Saturday, you know that at nine o'clock on Saturday, this event is happening. So we modeled Wharton Center's press release after that. We also know that as a journalist, you don't have time to read three pages of content. You want the basics, and then if you're interested, you'll go get more. That's from a TV perspective. Um, And I find that that's the same for a print perspective, too. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't want to put everything in there. If they're interested, they'll call you. They'll do an interview with you. So I really like to have my releases only one page.
1: That was actually an assignment we had um, at the very beginning, Was we had to practice writing a press release. Um, and I had never written one before, so it was really hard for me to be as succinct as possible and try and keep it to just one page, like you said, and get all of that vital information and not overshare.
0: It's really hard, but you know, when you do it, you gotta ask who, what, when, why, how, mm-hmm. and if you can answer those questions, um, it's great. I gotta be honest with you; I like a media alert better than I like a release because a media alert is is just that: the who, what, where, when, why, how. And it's a quick sentence about it. So you can look at that and decide, okay, that's what I want to cover. So what we were doing at Wharton Center when we had time, and that was the, uh, the operative uh, word, is if we had time, we would create a news release, but then we'd also create a media alert about the event as well. So we could send it out, um, both of them.
1: I had no idea that Wharton Center was also sending out media alerts. So that's really interesting to learn that they're sending media alerts and press releases. So Broadway is looking a lot different at the moment. Everything is closed. Um, With the theater world shut down until 2021, what is currently motivating you?
0: Well, right now I'm on (laughs) furlough. What's motivating me is to hopefully someday get back to work. I love my job at Wharton Center. It's, you know, it's fun Uh because we're working on uh, shows that are incredible, that are magical, that change lives. And I love that. So I guess that's motivating me um, to know that we will come back. I mean, Broadway will come back. There's too many people that love it and there's – stories motivate people and they always have Mm -hmm. and they change lives. And so that's not going to change just because of pandemic. So we say we're on a break. We're on intermission.
1: So in that same vein, are you feeling optimistic that Wharton center will open before Broadway after Broadway, same time?
0: I think they're working alongside Broadway. I don't think Wharton center is going to do anything that's immediate. Um, think they're working with, well, I know they're working with leaders in the industry to determine when the best time to do that is. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, because I'm on furlough, I just don't know that answer. Um, but they're smart. And, and, you know, Wharton center is full of capable individuals who are working with the best in the industry. So my hope is, is that it, it's at a time when it's safe
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that's, basically all i can say
1: (laughs) (laughs) i just hope they open before i leave campus
0: you know i mean i would love them to open right away but i also want it to be safe and i'm one of these people who have been very sequestered and very uh careful about not being around people Mm -hmm. and wearing a mask and and i see the numbers and Mm -hmm. so i don't want to be in a situation that causes anyone the opportunity to catch a virus and not be able to control it so um, I want Wharton Center to be extremely safe.
1: I do too. I, it's going to be very weird going back out into big crowds of people again when it is safe to do so.
0: Yeah we're, we're going to think differently and this whole virus has caused our world to be different
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it's not ever going to go back to what it was.
1: Yeah it's weird to think about because I was in New York like right before everything shut down. And I think about it and I'm like, I didn't even bat an eye that I would ride the subway and then go and eat like a hot dog on the street and not wash my hands. Like it didn't even like, like gross me out. And now that I think about it, I'm like, Oh my God, I cannot believe I did that. Like,
0: and how to balance that. Right. Yeah. Like how to balance it so you're not so overly, um, <laughs> cautious because, I'm the same way. It's like I'm using Perel like crazy. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I need to do this as much. I don't know. I mean, some germs are good for you. It's all this. It's new. Yeah, I don't know. It's all brand new.
1: So when Broadway does finally come back, what headline are you hoping to see the press release when it does?
0: Oh my gosh, we're back. That's- <laughs> we're back. This is great news. We are back. And I think people are going to be so excited about it. And, um, you know, I'm sure there's going to be people that are very cautious as mm-hmm. well. They should be. But I think that they should know that when they come back to Wharton Center, they're going to come back safe. I mean, we're going to be able to do everything in our power to make sure that when you attend Wharton Center, you're as safe as we know how to make make it for you.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, being on Facebook since March and just all of the continual headlines of broadway closed until december broadway closed until 2021 it's just like when are we going to get some good news
0: yeah yeah i mean it's it's been uh gosh it's going on a year isn't it since we've been closed which is hard to believe it's it's uh gone by faster than i anticipated it going Mm -hmm. Um, it's lasted much longer than I anticipated. I mean, who knew? I think when they first closed down, I thought it would be like for, you know, a month at the most Mm -hmm. or three months. And now it's going on what? Eight months. It's just, or nine months.
1: I think we're close to nine at this point.
0: Yeah. It's like, oh my gosh, I can't even believe that. So, um, so much has changed. And, I hope that uh you know but here's the here's the other thing that's interesting is this has given those creative ingenious people who are writers an opportunity and fodder to create something and and covid has told stories mm-hmm. and there's been great things that have happened because of covid and so broadway will probably tell those stories it's not been all doom and gloom although it has been but there's some good things that have come from it too.
1: Mm -hmm. On to a happier topic. What is your favorite publicity moment of a show?
0: You know, there's been so many of them, but I used to love when I would have a media day, which is when I would take the performers to the radio and TV stations. And we'd have such a magical day of them talking about the story of the show. And we would, the next day celebrate the headlines and celebrate the great press that we received. I miss that. And so there's so many different, um, favorite publicity moments. Um, it's so hard to tell. I mean, (laughs) there's been so many of them. (laughs) Hamilton, I have to say wasn't one of my favorites to be honest with you. Really? Yeah. Um, it wasn't, um, it was fun to have the show and it was fun to have all the people excited about it. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, I, I think all the things that we're doing for the people on the spectrum was one of my favorites too. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: The sensory friendly. Yeah.
0: The sensory friendly was really one of my favorites because I kind of went into it thinking as a novice, like, okay, are there that many people that really need this? You know, I'm thinking, what do we have to do all this work for? And I've got to tell you that I was beyond uh, overwhelmed at and learned so much about the spectrum and people on the spectrum and the autism community. And I'm embarrassed to even say that I didn't realize how significant it was until that. So for me... Going through that opportunity was an incredible eye-opening experience, and Mm -hmm. I'm just really proud to say that Wharton Center is a leader in that.
1: Yeah, I grew up um, pretty hands-on with the um, people on the spectrum because my dad worked at uh, Peckham as the CFO. Oh, okay. And so coming to Wharton Center when they had just started the sensory Friendly Performances, I was so excited about it. And then when I became the education intern, working hands on with it was just so much fun, and it makes me really happy that theater is trying to be as inclusive to everyone as they possibly can.
0: That was really eye opening for me, and uh, you know it's it's just given me such new perspective. And I I just remember feeling this incredible amount of pride <laughs> and going to our sensory-friendly shows and seeing families and hearing from families, it just brings me to tears even thinking about it and hearing families say this is our first time that we're able to do this together as a family and this is so magical. And knowing that I had a part in that was incredible. That's what theater is all about. It's when you realize the impact that something so magical has on one person or a family.
1: Yeah, were you at the the Lion King sensory family performance?
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: I think that is my favorite one that I have worked on. Me
0: too. Me too. Um well that and the Cat in the Hat was pretty cool. Too.
1: That that um, one was fun too. But yeah,
0: the Lion King and just being in the audience and seeing the excitement and um <clears throat> I guess it taught me some very important lessons of I mean, to be honest, Kara, as I told you, I sort of went into it thinking, well, this is a lot of work and are we really going to have a lot of people show up for this? Is this just, you know, Mm -hmm. because I didn't know. And once I knew, I was really ashamed that I even thought that. But I'm also now motivated to tell that story more because I know people out there are like me thinking the same thing or thought the same
1: thing. Mm And final question What advice can you give us during these unprecedented times as college kids about to graduate, entering into the workforce, et cetera?
0: You know, life is unusual, and there's so many curves, and there's so many <laughs> <laughs> pop up throughout your life. I think this is just one of them. And if we can be positive and we can know that this too shall end, and there'll be plenty of more opportunities. Of course, it's going to impact your college career. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, it's going to be something that um, you're missing out on. But in a way, look at it as what has it taught you. Um, and if you can look at everything as a lesson, I think that's the most important important thing. Um, for me, I think the lesson is never take anything for granted. I mean... I, you know, I've been away from my job for, oh, four months now, mm-hmm. and four months on furlough, um, but nine months altogether, and I miss it, you know, and there's some days when you do your job every day, you think, "Ugh, this is so, you know, you just, you yeah. just, like, there's so much work here, and you just want a break, a reprieve and now i'd give anything to go back to that and realize how much fun it is and how good i was at it and i mm-hmm. you know i don't say that but i but i've done it for so long that i really think that i learned so much and and i've learned what works and what doesn't work especially with publicity and so um and i made an impact with people i mean i have journalists call me still and say hey I miss you. I hope you're doing okay. And that means something to me. It's all about relationships. And and I feel like I did a good job with that. And so I miss that. Yeah. But for you, I guess know that, you know, it will be back and you'll have plenty of opportunity to go and you've discovered something. Uh, You've discovered, well, you worked at Wharton Center, so you know what it's all about Mm -hmm. and I'm sure you learned so much and so that'll stay with you the rest of your life
1: yeah I I hope I can get back in the office one more time before I
0: I hope you can too when do you graduate
1: I graduate December 2021
0: okay I'm sure you'll be able to get back in before then
1: hopefully (laughs) I miss seeing everyone
0: I do too I miss yeah I miss everything about it
1: I went in one day help Bert with something and it was just a ghost town I was like this just doesn't feel right
0: (laughs) (laughs) what have you been doing Kara
1: um so I'm the Nielsen intern but I've mostly just been working with Bert um kind of helping take some of the workload off him since Lori was also furloughed so I've been working mostly on the Young Playwrights Festival Mm. this has been Practical Advice for Impractical Pursuits a Michigan State University Arts Cultural Management and Museum Studies podcast. Thank you to our program director, K.F. Latham, and the Michigan State University College of Arts and Letters for supporting this project. The opinions expressed on this program do not reflect official entities of Michigan State University. To hear more episodes and learn how Michigan State is training future arts administrators to manage with compassion and care, visit artsmuseumsmanagement.cal.msu.edu forward slash podcast.